Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 185 of Slamfire Radio for December 16th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew. And I'm Adriel. And I'm Kelly. I'm satisfied with this introduction. This was good. <laughs> I'm, you messed it I'm up. I'm also though. Trevor. Hi, satisfied. Hi. Hello, satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, so, does this make us now 185 episodes? Does this make us the longest-running Canadian pro-gun podcast in Canadian pro-gun podcast history? Have um, we surpassed everything that's ever been out there? We've certainly surpassed 184 episodes, which is what we did last week. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Beat that record? Yeah. We're, we're going to beat our own record every week. We're going to hit 200 soon. I mean... What that's... are we going to do then? Well, we'll quit, right? 200 and we're done. No, we quit at 100. We've been done for a long time. Yeah, we kind of have been. <laughs> I think Matthew... Matthew, you get to quit, right? I get Again? to quit first. If anybody gets to quit, it's me. I get to quit first. I've been podcasting for far longer than I ever thought I'd ever be You're podcasting. Yeah, that's you're both right, actually. You're right and Kelly's right. All right. Speaking of right, um, Trevor, <laughs> why don't uh, you ask Adriel what he did in guns this week? Uh, <laughs> Adriel, what did you do in guns? <laughs> I like the misdirection. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I assembled the three-in-one gun. So. That thing is awesome. <laughs> Tell right. us about it. Tell the listeners about it for those who, who aren't on your Facebook feed. I have, our I, Facebook have question. Feed. I have a question right off of the bat. What kind of case do you put this thing in? <laughs> oh, no. You, there, no. You, you, you wrap have it to in a garbage bag. Bungee and, strap. And then bring it. <laughs> Some assembly. And then you put a lock on the bungee strap. Yeah. You, well, yeah. You have to lock it. Yeah. Are, yeah. Are you really going to bring it to a three-gun match? I'm not. I'm not going to bring it to a three-gun match because I'm, I'm probably on. too serious for three-gun for to bring it to Aww. a three-gun match. But you I can't. will. What's that? You wouldn't be able to because depending on the stage, how would you know? Oh well, yeah, just, you can't stage your guns. No, but. just bring it. Everybody will have a hoot. Yeah, you, you could do that. Kelly's right. You could do that. You pull that thing out and go. So guys, I'm uh, ready. I've never <laughs> been to a three-gun match, but this is correct, right? This is how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell us what you did. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, buddy, of my Chad had had made these rails that kind of clamp onto the pick rails. Uh, so it's a pick rail to pick rail clamp, and uh, that Picatinny rail, that bumpy part that you see on a lot of military rifles, it's kind of like a rail on the top. Uh, I've got those on my AR, and I've got one on the top of my shotgun, and I've got one on the bottom of my pistol. So uh, you know, I kind of combined all of those, and I basically. Uh, you know, the, the shotgun's kind of like a master key setup where it's it's slung along the bottom of the AR. So there's the shotgun-AR combo. That part kind of makes sense. Not with the not with the extension tube I have on that <laughs> shotgun, but... <laughs> yeah, the like barrel's a little it, long, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the barrel and the extension tube are, are both quite long on that thing. Uh, but there there are AR-15s where you run a shotgun on the bottom to, to yep. use as like a door breacher kind of a thing. 
Uh, and there are kits to to do that kind of thing. The kits are very expensive, and this these uh, clamps were quite a bit cheaper. So there's that. And then it's also got uh, a pistol on the. I, I I didn't really know which side I should put it on, so I put it on the right hand side so I could use my strong hand at least to uh, to shoot that pistol. So the idea is, yeah, the idea is I was gonna uh, I am gonna do like a a real serious like uh, getting into three gun video. Uh, with that and and take it like really really super seriously and uh, show me shooting it and that kind of thing and then put it on the web and uh... <laughs> I look forward to said video. This is going to be great. Yeah, I try not to. Uh, I try not to take myself too seriously. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pop that guy out there. It's super heavy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet it probably weighs what 15, yeah. 20 pounds. Yeah, reloading yeah, the shotgun probably, on the bottom right? is going to be a is going to be a chore and not sweeping myself while I'm doing all this, like observing safe uh, gun handling is going to be a challenge as well. Cause you know, there's, there's three barrels sticking out the front of this thing. <laughs> but uh, I want to see you holster pist- it. Yeah. <laughs> holster your pistol. Like, uh, <laughs> crap. Bye. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, the pistol does function while it's in there. It's, um, uh, the pick rail on the bottom. I've used like a rail adapter that kind of clamps on the bottom and then, puts the puts a, another rail on top of the pistol and that's the one I've clamped so the slide is free to actuate uh, while it's clamped into this uh, this beast so that's so cool. I, there it, there it, there was some practicality that was baked into this thing I'm telling you <laughs> yeah very little but there was some yeah, very cool. yeah. no mostly it was just like a, a, a fun silly thing to do and and now I got my kicks out and now I'm gonna shoot a video as if it's serious so cool that's uh it's that uh, and then uh, I met with uh, listener Mark. You guys have met Mark uh, with a K. Yes, Mark um, with a K. We, he was in so our he was in Yeah, we uh, talked about three guys. Cooked that awesome target. corn, didn't he? Cooked that awesome corn and steak. That's what I yeah. Thought. yeah, the corn. Yeah. Uh, he bought me dinner. Yeah, <laughs> he bought you dinner. dinner. Was it a subway? Nope. No. I had a pizza and two beers. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we need more right. listeners in New Brunswick, specifically northern New Brunswick, specifically Edmonston. <laughs> Matt Doucette, if you're listening, I think you need to buy me guns. dinner. What? They give you guns. Well, they do. Yeah, you That's got an fifteen. Well, that yeah, and and Mark lent me his uh, Volcords, and so I guess I guess okay, Mark or uh, yeah, I, I, Matt. I mean, Matt. not Mark, Matt. Matt, you're off the hook. I'll buy you dinner for letting me borrow the gun. Actually, that's what I should do. I I would just like to say I appreciate the listeners for just. You know, being, being yeah, dangerous. be quiet. Yeah. You taking the you high know? road, whatever. And, uh, That's Kelly's job to be classy, <laughs> not you. I'm just, I got a house full of stuff that people have given me. What am I saying? Matt, <laughs> didn't you get a an AR-15 out of this? Never mind. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Adriel, <laughs> you, you got a pizza. The 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 most but thank you for is, everyone. Is just like getting to know all these great listeners and the valuable discussions that we have with them is is more than enough reward for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I, I laugh because you know, but it's actually true. It's true. It really is actually true. But we can't come across serious and and uh, and actually, you know, nice. I mean, we got a we got a certain persona to hold on to here. You are nice. Yeah. What's a persona? I don't even know. <laughs> All right, what I'm else? Just making up words as we go along. Uh, uh, Mark gave me this uh, magnet magazine pouch uh, kind of a thing. So. He made it out of some stuff he got from Home Depot. It's a couple of like, really strong magnets. I've got a couple of uh, uh, magazine holders where if, if you've got a steel magazine, you can kind of just clip it there because it's, it uses magnets. So it's uh, a mag mag pouch? That's a mag magazine <laughs> pouch. A yeah, mag magnetic, pouch. Ma- magnetic magazine pouch? Yeah, mag yeah. mag. 
There we go. Uh, no, it's just a, it's just a oh tech lock uh, with a couple of magnets screwed into it. So it's it's really strong because they use these two really beefy magnets. <laughs> so of, you go to uh, grab your mag and your whole belt comes off with it because it's like neodymium or what? What, what do you call those things? <laughs> like super magnets, yeah. yeah. Rare earth. <laughs> yeah, th- those ones. I don't even know how to pronounce them, but they start with a B, I think, or an N, or a Q, or I don't know. <laughs> one of those. One of those weird letters. One of those letters. <laughs> It's but an it's N. It's like neo- neodymium or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Neridium. Neridium? Yeah. Iridium. Sure. No, wait. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's like I've seen some guys with uh, homemade magazine pouches with with those magnets before, and I've seen a run and dump their mags on the ground, and like that's it's the worst thing possible because then you got to like run back and you probably needed that magazine, right? Probably. You're either going to run across some no shoots or whatever. So yeah. so. Too strong is is not really a huge problem with when it comes to a, a magnet mag pouches. So, uh, anyways, thanks thanks a lot, Mark. Yeah, that's cool. Neodymium. Oh, it's got Neodymium. M's in there. Neodymium. Oh. No one Here cares. <laughs> hey, I looked it up. Kelly looked it up for us. I care, gold star Kelly. for you, Kelly. <laughs> hey, I don't think you can hand those out. I'm gonna need that back by the end of the show. By the <laughs> way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kelly, what did you do in guns this week? I went to SFRC. I was trying to look for a Magpul stock. They're out. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh that would have been hilarious. <laughs> well, they are out, but I'm getting you one. Not you. Not me. Come no, on. of course. I, what am I going to do with one? I don't, shave your legs. Shave my legs with the stock? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, no. Um, yeah, went to SFRC on Saturday. Sunday is usually our range day, and there was a... It was... We had a storm. Anyway, so we didn't go to that. But... One of the things I wanted to ask you guys was Sundays shooting. Uh, do you guys have that at your ranges? Because we had been on a call recently and they were talking about no shooting on Sunday because it was a municipal law, bylaw. Do you guys have a... We don't have yeah. such a thing here. We can shoot any day of the week. Yeah. yeah. We and can't we hunt can. on Sundays, but we can, it, well, we can shoot. Well, we, we can three Sundays of the well, year, but, yeah, but uh, otherwise, no. No. Yeah, I can... Uh, no I can hunting, but... Oh, okay. All right. So I, I just thought it was odd, um, especially since it was Ontario and and not too that. These <laughs> That's why I don't find it odd. Shoot on a well, Sunday, they, but I can. It, like our bylaws say, we can. So yeah, yeah. we've we've got uh, at at my range. I think it's eleven a.m. So it's it's just a little bit different. It's not instead of like, yeah. um, you know, one hour after sunrise or whatever. It's it's uh, eleven a.m. on Sundays. But I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I'm I'm not really an early, early riser, so. We're not even an hour after. We're dust till dawn. Yes, same same time. All right. I just thought I'd ask because it was eight days a week. Eight days a week. week. You guys got to work on your (laughs) math. Uh, The other thing that happened was I got my paperwork in the mail for the Frontenac um, Club. Uh, Originally, I've been going. I've been going as a guest of Kevin because he's a member, and he bought a family membership, but because of the fact we weren't living together, uh, I couldn't join. And now that we're living together, I'm officially able to join. So I'm going to get that done. I had to actually give them all kinds of stuff, too. I had to give them, like, my club little ATT that I did at Brockville on the handgun safety course. Uh, or, sorry, the handgun safety course. And then I gave lame, them. lame, lame, lame. They certainly do but like their paperwork, don't they? They're still requiring it, Yeah. And I also gave them my RSO certificate that I got from the CSSA. And they just want to make sure that I'm safe or relatively safe. Oh, yeah, Um, I I guess. Yeah. 
I don't have I don't have a problem with that sort of stuff if it actually shows to improve safety. But if it's just yep. because some some executive who has too much power is just likes to lord it over people, that sort of thing. Well, yes, I know. I, Go ahead, I, Kelly. I was going to say that I really want to be a part of this club, so I'm not going to say. Anything. No, exactly. <laughs> well, and and I was just going to make the point. Look, I know we're supposed to support each other, but. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy, yeah. and one of the th- things that I have the biggest problem with is a club ATT course. Look, the government is going to give me the ATT. Why are you making me take a course, or why is the Ontario CFO making the club make me take a course? And that's what I'm it normally ends up being right. is the CFO is making the club do it. Yeah, and, and why is the Ontario I, CFO doing it when nobody else is? You know, it's know. just yeah. more crappy bureaucracy for red tape for the sake of it. So, Which does, yeah, exactly, and it's for the sake of it, and it actually does nothing to actually improve, or improve safety. So yep. I, I hate things that are non-functioning. I think one of the reasons is also they want to be able to prove to their insurance holders that their members are all They, they well. probably have the same insurance holders that we have here in New Brunswick, Absolutely. and we don't have to prove it to them. Okay, never mind. So. Anyways, I really want to uh, go be able to go by myself. I'm really getting tired of... As well, you should be able to. To wait for Kevin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I really hate going with Kevin. No, I don't hate going with Kevin. I, I, he, like, uh, there's nights yeah, you heard he it here works. first, folks. He hates like, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, Kelly hates Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to have to hear this. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'll... <laughs> I'll be able to go by myself soon, which is good. The other thing that happened is, remember I told you guys about the um, days at the range that I offered with the fundraiser? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. So I'll be able to take them by myself um, if I want to cool. go. Right. So instead of, I offered two of them, a ladies one, a ladies only one, and then they offered one for anybody, right? Well, um, there was a fight over the one for anybody, uh, um, and basically I'm now offering three of them. So, and... <laughs> We raised we raised three hundred and fifty dollars from it too for the so it was awesome. That's cool. I, th- I thought it was good. Anyways, just thought I'd let you know that we raised three hundred and fifty bucks. But now instead of taking four people to the range, I'm taking six at some point. They don't want to go during winter though. I don't know why. Because they're smart. I know. Uh, the other thing that I did was uh, set up a GoFundMe page. Do you guys want to discuss that now? Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you about it. So it's a great time. Okay. So ask me. About it. <laughs> No, you already started talking about it, so I don't have to ask you about it. Uh, okay. So next week is going to be a live show, and Trevor is going to shave his legs. Right, Trevor? So, yes. so I'm told. I don't see a stock yet. Okay. I need so to see I need to see a receipt or some uh, kind of proof that there's a stock, like, you know. Yes, you will. Okay. There'll be video evidence first, right? There'll be, yes. Okay. So Trevor's, Trevor's going to shave his leg on You heard that? Show. Leg. She said leg. Legs. Uh, on a live show but part of it is we set up a gofundme page because we're going to have people our listeners our viewers um if you're interested um donate to a cause we're going to be giving uh it's a place called almost home they are kind of like ronald mcdonald house where kids who are in hospital their families get to go there so they can spend some time with them and over christmas it's a great idea to give them some presents and maybe some christmas dinner and that as well so Cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Go, I, go ahead. Go guys. ahead. No, no, go. No, go. No, wait. No, you no, go. go. No, you, you guys are being so Canadian right now. Sorry. One of you, Sorry. go. Sorry. No, I think it's absolutely awesome, and the GoFunding makes it very accessible. Listeners, you all know what GoFundMe is. The links will be in the show. 
Yep. We set a goal of $200 that we would like to donate on your behalf. It's Christmas, damn it. Don't make me crazy. Yeah. Please pony up some cash. Where are we at, Kelly? Oh, by the way. Yeah, so I didn't know what to set. I said 200 bucks. That's that's a good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So we're at halfway already. No way. We are. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. So the other thing that we need to do is we'll have to actually have a link for people to log on so they can watch Trevor shave his legs. And Adriel, when you come up with that, we'll send it out. So we'll post everything and let everybody know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how I'll to do that right now. Work. Okay. Are you going to get Christina to help you with this? Because I'm sure you probably haven't shaved your legs before and you probably don't know how. The more I bleed, the happier the listeners will be. So I'm not <laughs> happier I'll be. Help. Um, I envision some kind of tub at my feet with water and soap in it or something. You're, you're going to use a straight razor, right? It's the only one I own. Beauty. It's rusty. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm going to. I don't know how I'm going to set up the cave here to do this, and uh, I don't know how. I guess I'm going to get a webcam. I'll hook a webcam into my computer and position it accordingly. I'm going to film the bathroom. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, right, yeah it'll go live, and I'll be in the tub. That'll be. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Welcome to a special rated show. Yeah, Yeah. the big... Anyways. Awesome. All right. Great. Yeah. And other than that, by the calendar, but uh, you'll hear that in our interview as well, so... And you'll hear what we're referring to when I mean calendar. Right. Anyways. (laughs) All right. And on that note, Matthew, what did you do? Um, I have been doing reloading chores, basically. I... Ended up, I don't remember where it came from, so I, I'm, maybe it was Bolivar, maybe it wasn't. Somebody gave me like a box of 5.56 ammo. It was Bolivar. It was it? Yep. And it's all IVI brass, or, or vast majority of it is. It must have come from a service conditions pickup, cleanup range or something, I'm not sure. But apparently, all of the primer pockets are crimped. Is that what it's called, yep. Trevor? Yeah, they're crimped. Yep. So here I am, I... Oh, probably a, at least a hundred cases. I put through the cleaner, and I was trimming, and I resizing, and doing all this stuff. And then, I, oh, I'll throw some primers in. Crunch, crush. crunch, crunch. <laughs> so, do you not have a swaging tool? I do not. Okay. So, well, trade uh, that. I'll get you, bring me that brass, and I'll trade off for brass that doesn't have crimp pockets, or I'll swage it for you. Sure. Well, yeah, whatever. No big deal. Anyway, I, I just wanted to complain that I did a whole bunch of, uh, you know, <laughs> brass. What the- the free brass. That yeah, I, I wanted to complain about the free use. brass. Thanks. Well, I looked it up on the internet. Before I started using it, I looked up IVI brass, and I only read two or three reviews on it, but the reviews that I read were all positive, and no, none of the reviews mentioned having to swage the primer pockets. Otherwise, I would have been like, nope, that's mm. not something I can do. So I just happy as a clam going, oh, cool, these people seem to like this IVI stuff, so I'll start processing it. Oops. Oh, well. Anyhow. Yeah, there are. The yep. other um, issue I've run into with IVI brass with the 2,000 rounds of um, 223 that I pulled was the primer pocket was um, not formed correctly, like it was struck from the inside or something, and there was a hump literally in there that had to be cut out in order to seat a primer flush oh, really? inside the pocket. Yeah, so that requires another tool. That's the uniforming tool. And after a couple of hundred, I just started tossing them. I was like, nuts to this. I just, yeah, that's I don't too much care. work. Yeah, not yeah. when I got so much brass, but anyway. Yeah, I don't have, well, the rest of the brass that I could find in the house 
is a small Tupperware, like a sandwich Tupperware container full is all I have left. And it's all cleaned now and it's all full length resized and I'm just going through trimming it and then de um, yeah, deburring it and then I'll be using that. But a lot of it's Winchester, so that's nice. But what I'm finding is, and I'm doing a bit of an experiment with this, the PAR has a fluted chamber. And so I'm not sure if that brass will be okay to use a second time. But I have a couple of pieces that I have fired, and I did full-length resize it, and I'm going to process it, and I'm going to shoot it, and I'm going to see what it looks like after the second time through the gun. And well, here's this. You don't have a case gauge, so it's either going to chamber or it won't. So is that my only issue? Is that either it'll chamber or it won't? It's not like it's going to yep. be dangerous or anything? No. no. Oh, and okay. I think it, I think it's going to be 100% fine if... I've looked at that brass that you fired in your PAR, and it's mm -hmm. not like you can feel. You can see the soot in, around the flutes, showing yeah. you that it's a fluted chamber, but it doesn't come out swollen in a fluted pattern. No, not. Yeah. I mean, you can feel it. There's ridges, but it's but not. It, it's not like huge, and it does go no. back in the gun after I full length resize it. I just toss it in the chamber, and it slid right into the gun, no problem. Ah, no, so. you're laughing. You're laughing. Oh, okay. So I can just reuse that stuff then. Yep. All right. If, well, it re if, it, if it resizes and there's no signs of cracks, have at her. Right. Okay, cool. Well, uh, that means I got a couple more pieces laying around here then that I'll be able to use as well. But, yeah, I'm shooting the the Savage Axis as a bolt gun. You know, I didn't really stock up on brass because I only shoot that thing, you know, maybe 100 times a year. Maybe, if I'm lucky. But I have a feeling with the PAR, I'm going to be going through a lot more 5.56 and 2.23 than previously. So uh, I'm going to have to stock up on some brass and some more reloading components because the thing's just too much fun to shoot. And, and I mean, you can, uh, Hornady makes a handheld primer pocket swaging tool oh, yeah? that uh, cuts out the uh, crimp very, very easily, oh, okay. relatively quickly. Uh, you can actually take the tool apart and put the bit in the chuck of a drill. Start it by hand first, and then once you get it started and it starts to cut, quick zap of the drill, and you're you're good to go. Cool. Well, that mm -hmm. that would let me process all this IVI stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's basically all I did. I didn't do any shooting. I haven't shot since uh, since last time we were on the show because uh, it's just been cold out, and I've been busy with other things. But uh, I was going to say maybe this week, but it's going to be minus forty tomorrow. So. Um, yeah. not going to go outside if I can help it. Mm. Nice 40 um, with the wind chill? Yeah, with the wind chill. Yeah, yeah going to be chilly. Quite chilly. Yep. So I, I, huh? oh, I was going to say yeah, it was extreme cold warning in effect for us. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the people at school were talking about is it going to be a, a day off of school tomorrow because of the extreme cold weather, but I don't think it's going to be cold enough. Minus 40 is the, the magic number, and it's going to be like minus 37. So yeah, my experience, they don't call it unless it's actually legit minus 40. So we'll be yeah. at school. I've only seen it called on account of cold temperature like twice in my career. Yeah. And uh, it was like minus 45 or something with the wind chill. Yeah, tomorrow's not going to be that day. That's people, okay. in Winni people in Winnipeg are calling us pansies right now. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can imagine. They're, they're getting some pretty crazy weather over there. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Well, Trevor, I guess that brings us to you. All righty. I'll keep it short and sweet because I didn't do much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love the laugh. <laughs> I, I did some work to the um, 930. I am now uh, – I haven't shot it yet, but I'm liking it a lot more. Um, I took the – Mesa tactical stock off 
That's pronounced Mesa, <laughs> not Misa. And uh, took the pistol grip stock off, put the original stock back on, and I also took off the barrel clamp off the front. I'm uh, looking at all of the uh, pro three gunners and really nice three gun setups, and none of them are running barrel clamps. And I've talked to some people, and that's because that barrel clamp can um, affect your point of aim, point of impact, and your shot pattern. So uh, no more no more clamps for me. There's there's nothing ever going to hit the front of this gun that's going to break that magazine tube off of there. So I took it off my Versamax and I took it off my 930. See if it affects how they pattern. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I figured out how to ghost load it. It doesn't ghost load like the Versamax at all. With the Versamax, you feed the tube, you pull back the bolt, you drop in your ghost load, you throw it in the chamber, you let your bolt go forward. With the 930, you do the opposite. You have to put one in the chamber, put one in the cha- in the um, receiver, the ghost load itself, then push up the lifter and feed the tube, and then you're good to go. Uh, so it's just as quick now that I know how to do it correctly. It makes sense. The controls are a little different than the Remington, so it doesn't load like the Remington. I guess that makes go. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what else did I do? I ordered a uh, some springs and a Titan hammer for my stock three extreme. So I've been complaining about the um, trigger that came in my Tanfoglio stock three extreme Ipsic production gun. And I talked to uh, Sean at Freedom Ventures, and he said you can put a 13-pound hammer spring in the gun. It comes with a 15. You can put in a 13, and you can put in a light firing pin spring. And you'll be good to go as long as you shoot Federal Primers. However, Tanfoglio made a new hammer called the Titan Hammer. The geometry is a little different, and it's a lightweight hammer, so it travels faster and will actively, will uh, reliably um, pop off all kinds of primers. So it is, in fact, true. The 13-pound Tanfoglio Hammer Spring and the Titan Hammer have made this gun awesome. The double-action trigger pull now is is as good as it is is as good as it could get. I'm very 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 happy with it. The single action pull is good. It seems like it's actually shortened, which it's just perceived shortened the length of travel on the double action. Um, I haven't actually installed the light firing pin spring yet, but the difference that this Titan Hammer made, I tested it with Winchester primers, Seller and Bellet primers, which are like two of the hardest primers there is. I've seen seller and billet primers wear out a Glock striker. That's how hard those suckers are. I didn't have any Dominion on hand, but Dominion is also a really hard primer. Um, Winchester, seller and billet, and CCI small rifle, and it popped them all. And I haven't even put in the light firing pin spring yet. So I have no issue, no concerns about this gun being reliable at all. I'm very, very happy with how it came out. Next, I got on to loading some 12-gauge. On the uh, Reloading Podcast, we had a guest on who works for Mech. Mech produces um, shotgun reloading presses, single-stage progressive presses, the whole nine yards. They recently got into um, reloading equipment for uh, metallic cartridges. Anyway, talking to him kind of inspired me to get my Mech back out and start loading up some, um, some shotgun. So I did. I loaded up, I don't know, 200. Pretty heavy. Um, number six shot, but an ounce and a quarter. So normally you're running an ounce to an ounce and an eighth. So this is an ounce and a quarter. So I'm not sure what it's going to be like, but it'd certainly be good for hunting. Because uh, if do you, one uh, ounce do you reload is... slugs? Not yet, Matthew. I was going to say, because if one ounce is good, one and a quarter is better. 
Well, it's more more <laughs> payload, right? So, um, yep. but th- then I dug up some um, some data for what I really want to get into is I have active hulls. Now they haven't been produced in years. They're an all plastic hull with uh, a really large internal capacity. They're for some heavy stuff. Like you can load ounce and a quarter, ounce and three eighths inside these active hulls. Um, first time I saw them was at a three gun match here in New Brunswick. Um, one of the competitors was shooting them and they just, they feed so reliably. There's, there's, they're all plastic on the outside, so they don't get caught up in anything. And given the fact that my Versamax has proven to be a little picky, depending on the type of shell that I use, I'm really looking forward to, of, of coming up with a good, um, recipe that's suitable for three gun and it's load them up for the Versamax for three gun, pick them up every time and load them in as many times as I can until, until they finally start to fail. I have 300, so that should last me quite a few years considering we shoot one to two, three gun matches a year. But in order to load them on the mech, I need to modify it slightly. I need to get a spacer, which I have on order for the priming system. And I need to actually, um, drill out the size of my repriming punch to accommodate the, uh, this slightly larger diameter of the active hull. So I've been picking up some shotgun powder. I picked up a pound of long shot. I picked up a pound of clays and I picked up a pound of 800 X. Um, and the clays in the 800 X is specifically for those active hulls. So I will keep you guys posted. Uh, but that's later on cause those parts are on order. I also oh, ordered man. a, I'm, I'm just looking at these active hulls. They're all plastic, all plastic, Weird. pretty, pretty freaky looking. eh? Yeah. Now, my mech has the universal charge bar, which is adjustable. Normally, a mech charge bar has um, bushings that go in the charge bar, and if you want this much shot, use this bushing, and if you want this much powder, uh, use this bushing, and there's these complicated charts. If you're going to use this powder and you want this many grains, then you need to use this bushing. Well, this many grains of this powder requires a different bushing, and that's like whatever. So the Universal Charge Bar is actually made in Canada. I didn't realize it wasn't a mech product until we interviewed that guy last week. And it has dials on the side that you can adjust, just like the powder measure, like a regular powder measure, whether it be a benchtop one for loading rifle or like on your Dillon. So um, super convenient. But I noticed that when I looked at their website to try and get some information about it, there's this powder baffle. That's a device that sits between the powder bar and the bottle that actually holds the gunpowder. And my mech is very old. Matthew will tell you, we picked up this stuff and uh, it had been sitting for a lot of years and hadn't been used probably since the 90s and some stuff was rusted. And anyway, that powder baffle wasn't there and I didn't even know I was missing it. But sometimes the powder bar is a little hard to, to move back and forth. So I ordered that baffle from Brownells. I also ordered a competition shell lifter for my Versamax from Brownells. And the shell latch that has the bolt release built into it on my Versamax broke. So I ordered the one out of the uh, tactical version of the Versamax because it is already pre-threaded. I won't have to drill and tap it like mine had been, which is maybe what caused it to break. So I got an order of Brownell stuff coming in. So uh, I'm watching the tracking numbers every day. And then finally, it's with uh, a heavy heart that I announced that I have sold my FN, FNS, 9L. So this is my two-tone stainless, mm. yeah, the 5-inch. Now, I'm I'm still loyal to FN. I still have my 4-inch, well, 4.2, that I will use in training classes that I teach or attend, and I'll probably use that as my 3-gun pistol. But when I shot the 3-gun match in Halifax, I was like, 
I'm shooting classic. My classic gun works fine as a three gun pistol. Um, my Tanfoglio, eh, it's double action, single action, so not so much. But I think the appeal of using the FN in a three gun match was if it's an outlaw match, I can use my 17 round mags, but they've proven to not be 100% reliable. If you drop them, they lock up. So, but if you drop it, who cares? You're done with it anyway. Put another 17 rounder in and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have the four inch that I can use in three gun. So, but I, I, I got to tell you, I'm already filled with regret. You heard of buyer's remorse? This is seller's remorse. But I don't think I'm going to replace it with another one. I think I will finally get a 5-inch Walther PPQ, and I'll have the 4-inch FN and the 5-inch <laughs> Walther. And then, uh, yeah. Another so. polymer striker-fired gun? Weird. I know. Huh. And then I need the CZ striker-fired gun, and David Copping is going to send me out the... Um, Q100 by Grand Power, so who knows? Maybe I'll like that one too. We shall see. Hmm. All right, I, that, that was it for me. What? Uh, yeah. All right, you stuck me at the end. <laughs> uh, what did you do, Adriel? Oh wait, uh, you did that, Kelly. No, you did it too, yeah, huh? <laughs> All right, well, upcoming events then. The 7th Annual Canadian Podcasters Charity Shoot, Saturday, July 8th. You should put that on your calendar. It's going to be fun. It's going to be at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club. It is confirmed. And uh, that is obviously in Guelph. Um, Not so obviously Ontario. So that's going to be cool. You guys should go to that. The Canadian Patriot Podcast is this year's host, and the charity of choice is Many to One. So you guys can go check that out. And, uh, you know, it, it's a good charity, and it's a good way to get out, meet some friends, and uh, shoot some guns. So definitely, if you can make it out, we hope to see you out there. The Got Your Six Charity Shoot is the uh, the second annual Precision Rifle Competition. It's July 22nd and 23rd at the or in Edson, Alberta, and the funds raised are going to the War Horse Awareness Foundation. You can go to gotyoursixshoot.com for more info there. And Trevor, why don't you bring us this next one? Because apparently you have some sort of vested interest in it, whatever. I don't know. I guess it's the thing. Um, SummerSlam 11, Rest of Grish Gun Club in Balmoral, New Brunswick, level 3, 16 because stages. It goes up to 11. This one will go to 11, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if we'll have one go to 12, but this one is going to 11. <laughs> um, things are well underway. There are 16 stages, and I have about. 12 design so far. Oh, nice. you're going to love the bus. You're going to love the bus this year, man. The bus is different. We're doing I always something like we... the bus. Well, now you're starting at the back of the bus outside. Nice. You're going to engage some targets and then retreat back, shooting targets on the left, enter the bus, and then shoot the bad guys outside the bus on the right. So it's Sounds like fun. Have... Yeah, you'll have some, some stand and deliver speed stuff at the back. Some backing up while shooting on the left, and then some memory stage stuff on the right. So it's <laughs> combining a couple of different things all in one stage. Uh, approximately 300 rounds. Um, we're going to have 140 competitors, 14 squads, 10 per squad. We'll see how that plan, how that works out. Registration night will be on August 4th. We're changing that as well. We're not downtown at the marina this time. We're going to move to the cottages and brew pub. We're going to hold the registration at a brew pub because. Because beer, yeah. So we're gonna move it to <laughs> we're gonna move it to Charlo, where the uh, Heron's Nest cottages are. Many competitors rent those cottages. The Ontario crew pretty much like if they know the date, they'll book it for next year as they check out. That's how long they've been going there. 
Um, Smoke on the Water will be doing the range food. Uh, probably going to do the banquet as well. The banquet will be Saturday night, the 5th, of course. And uh, cost for competitors is $160, uh, $150 if you pay by EMT. Registration opens on January 9th, so the registration forms will be available on our website at that time. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that brings us into the news. And this first one, who who stuck this one in here? I did. Well, congratulations. <laughs> but I don't want to read it all. You can. All right. I'll, I'll kind of give, give you the, the gist of it here. So I don't know how to say the name of the town. Longay. So that that town, uh, that the police there. Long, Longay is just outside of Montreal. So a long guy. Yeah, well, long guy. Longueil. I'm not French. Well, we're no. yeah. Neither am I. I just, I just. All right. So long guy, I think. So just yeah, outside of Montreal. Guy. Yeah, just go with just outside of Montreal. So just outside of Montreal, police seize a massive arsenal from a suburban home. So the police have arrested one man in what they call the biggest weapon seizure in recent memory. All as a result of a fender bender. Ooh, Ooh, that sucks. I didn't know that. Police are trying to determine how and why uh, Hugo managed to gather over 50 firearms inside his home, including restricted assault rifles. The incident began last week on the South Shore when Bernard left the scene of a collision before the report was completed. Several days later, the police went to his house to finish the report and as a precaution, checked the firearms registry beforehand. So we should pause here for a minute and remind people that Quebec does still have a firearms registry. Well, um, everyone still has a registry. Sorry, right. long gun. Yeah. Does so it say long gun on there? It doesn't, but... Oh, okay. No, never mind. Maybe they, Maybe that is... I'm slightly confused. I'm just going to carry on as if none of that happened. <laughs> so oh, it happened. It happened. No, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they made a point Do, of... does, Hold on, though. Does Quebec still have their long gun registry? Yes. Okay. Yes. I wasn't. Yeah. I, I thought they still did, but I didn't want to say that just in case I was wrong. I, maybe I just missed the news that they had finally dismantled it, but I guess not. So well, they can still run anybody's name to see if they have a firearms license, right? Yes, so, and we do okay. still have the restricted we- uh, registry. Yeah. So, so the point of this is, Quebecers do it. They do it. Apparently, they're going to this guy's house and they to actually, yeah, and they actually checked the firearms registry, and it showed that he had many legally registered handguns. And so, during their visit, the police searched their home in order to make sure that they were properly secured and present. Now, this what? is crazy. They went Why? to his house because of a fender bender. Yep, yep. they discovered that he had guns on the way and thought, "Let's inspect." Yeah, we're here to take a report about an accident. Oh, but now we're also here to inspect your home because we know you have guns. But they I didn't should not think... have been allowed to come in and do this. No, I don't think they are. Uh, well, well, maybe he public safety them search. They, yeah, yeah, I know, but Andrew, they could search. just simply say public safety search, and they and because they can throw that line out there, they it uh, neg- 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 negates the need for a search warrant for the guns. Because I'm pretty sure, at least here in New Brunswick anyway, if the CFO wants to inspect my firearms collection, they give us a heads up. They notify yeah. us before they come. Yep. So yep. I don't think, yeah. So if this wasn't like just a firearms check. It was, a, like Trevor said, a public safety check. Yeah, we're here to serve this, to finish this report. We know you have guns. For our safety and yours, we would like to ensure they're all secure. Right. Yep. 
And then the and poop I would pan. say you may rest assured that they are, and you're not going to check. And if and you we'll, don't feel we'll comfortable, we'll do this. The rest we'll of this report out this. in the backyard. <laughs> do it in the backyard, or I'll come down to the station. You don't need no. to come into my house. And but they, they will. Say and too bad. yeah, they'll say too yep. bad because they're the cops. And they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Public safety search. <sighs> yep. So the moral of the story is here: don't get into car accidents. And if you do, don't drive away. <laughs> do the report and, before and, the police get there. And if you do there. that, don't don't have a bunch of illegal magazines yeah. at home. Yeah, don't yeah. make AK-47s. Yeah, well, let's let's read this list. So to their surprise, yes, they found dozens of weapons, including 31 handguns, 14 long guns, 11 prohibited weapons, three AR-15 rifles, which I don't know why they listed that. That just goes under long guns, if you ask me, a sizable amount of ammunition, and illegally modified magazines. All the weapons and ammo were seized by police. So sounds like he had some regular AR mags, perhaps. I'm speculating here and just pulling well, pins he, on them. You, have you seen the pictures? No. No. He had he had AG42s. He had AK47s. Oh. I mean, he had lots of a of, of SKSs, both in the original configuration and Tapco configuration. Um, I actually didn't notice very many AR15s in the photos, but there was lots of SKSs. Maybe and, maybe the uh, reporter looked at it and said, "Oh, assault style rifle must be an AR15." No, there were there were AR15s in the photos, and there oh, was okay. cases of ammo, um, crate, a case of ammo, ammo cans, and one of the ammo cans was filled with uh, ammo on a belt, so he had something belt fed. I'm assuming he had something. I mean, why have a belt if you don't have a belt fed? And he did have two machine guns that were like AG-42s. Yeah. I'm no expert, but they were that that style of firearm. So he had some stuff. He did. Yeah. How, and, do, you, uh, how do you even get that stuff? Uh, illegally across the border, maybe? I don't know. Well, some of it's been it in have been over forever. like decades, too. Some of those old guys who've been collecting guns for a long time have like all this super old stuff and... Maybe he just didn't yeah. want to register and get his prohib license when they did the rollover. Oh, maybe. Mm. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so they arrested him, and he's got a whole bunch of charges. Um, the we, There was a oh, quote go from... Down uh, to- yeah, so proponents of gun control say the amount of weapons seized show there's something wrong with the law if a man with a criminal record can still buy restricted guns in large quantities. We've seen an erosion of gun control over the last 10 years right across the country, said Wendy Sukier of the Coalition for Gun Control. There's case after case of people who shouldn't have access to guns having not one, but many guns. So, I don't know if we've are seen... You, are you in- sure you said her name correctly? I thought it was Wendy Kukier. It could also be Kukier. I, I'm not a Scientologist. I don't know. quite sure it's Kukier. <laughs> go, go, go down, Matthew, to the part uh, Bernard was. Bernard has several previous convictions. Yeah, he yeah. does. Uh, of, of drug and weapons-related offenses going back to the 90s. So, yeah, he, so, he probably shouldn't have his firearms license. Yeah. How does yeah. he... Uh, a sticker on his door said he protected his home with an AR-15, though his oh, neighbor, Maryland... That's, I mean, that's just dumb to do. It's not illegal yeah, to have a sticker, have, yeah. though. So No, but, it's not, but they'll they'll say it shows intent. Yeah, yeah I know. Like so, I said, it's dumb to do, but it's not illegal. So how was this guy able to maintain his license with I don't know. Um, drug-related offenses going mm-hmm. back to the 90s? Uh, well, the 90s are a long, a long time ago. Like if it, Maybe, what, yeah, what if, if he had like Maybe a five-year... Yeah, if he had a five-year weapons prohibition, then it would have been lifted by then. Right. Yeah. So and if it was he like, a, a like a now possession of pot or something like that, and he got yeah. whatever and, uh, no, thing. No, okay. Uh, there's two ways to interpret this statement. One, that the offenses happened in the 90s, and the other one, the way I interpret it is, several 
previous convictions for drug and weapons offenses related re- related offenses going back to the 90s so it sounds to me like his convictions have been ongoing since the 90s not it's, that's the way it's written but i also know how reporters write and it Good seems point. more likely to me that it's Good probably point. he had a couple of charges back in the yeah. 90s and they wrote it yeah. that way to be more uh, um, yep. sensational. Yep. Or he's because if he did, charges, I mean, that he's just short of 2,000. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> way to wrap it up. Nicely done. All right. So the lesson, the lesson here is don't have illegal stuff and don't leave the scene of an accident. There you go. Or if you leave the scene of the accident, get your AKs out of the house. That's right. Cops are coming. All right. Uh, Canada Ammo is producing new AR-180B lowers from aluminium. So that's cool. Who, who, who popped that in there? Who has more info on that? Well, yeah, I just saw it on CGN. They're, uh, they're machining some new AR-180B lowers. So, I mean, if, if you had one of the original AR-180Bs, they've got, like, this polymer lower, which is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of cheap, and, uh, and, and that's what the AR-180B was supposed to be, was a more inexpensively manufactured version of the AR-15. It was uh, a lot more stamped steel, almost like a, uh, an AK version of an AR, right, with all the stamped steel and polymer and that kind of thing. Um, but these days, it's, it's real cheap to CNC something out of aluminum, and uh, it's more durable. So Canada Ammo is going to start making some of these things. So and those the interesting ju- things... Yeah, for, for Canadians, is that AR-180Bs are non-restricted. Well, so. AR, we care, it's AR-180B-2s. Yes. Uh, so the Dash 2 is... The non-restricted version. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else they put on it. The Dash 2 had a long, like a, a different barrel or a pinned uh, a comp on it or something. Something like that, but Why just the straight 180B is still a prohibited, if I'm not mistaken. I don't... Ed, just they, Finish your thoughts, and then I have a comment. Sorry. The 180 so is 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 uh, yeah. I, I know that the 180 is prohibited for sure. Yeah. But the 180B, I thought. Oh, maybe the 180B is restricted, and the 180B dash two is non-restricted. Perhaps that's what it is. I, I'm thinking they left the two off. This has got to be intended for those people that have the of course non-restricted one. I would think the, so. Yeah. The market's not there. People who buy AR 180Bs don't care about upgrading with aluminum. But anyway, the, what they really should have done was get pierce industries or pierce armory to 3d print one and you know it could be white plastic in the hair box <laughs> that's that's what i would have done anyway uh, i would right. like to see a resurgence of the 180b back in canada there's going to there's going to be because they're not the only company that's doing this right now there's a couple of different companies uh making lowers and making parts to uh to keep these things going in canada i've always so wanted one because it's ar-15-esque and the, it's non-restricted the, it oh, and the the t- takedown on them is sweet. Like yeah. it's got this little plate at the back. You you stick a bullet in it, and it pops it out, and then you can, you clean it out. It's got uh, the the stock doesn't have like a, anything that telescopes into it, so you can you can get a folding stock for them. Yeah, uh, it does, isn't the recoil spring like up over top of the gas tube or yeah. something? It's it's got a dual recoil spring over the yep. top. I owned one mm-hmm. for a while. It's, yeah. it's a, a sweet little gun. It's not like modern. Like no. you know, when they produced it, they produced it after the AR-15, and since then the AR-15's got some upgrades. Now we mostly have flat top buffers and, and yeah. not carry handles and that kind of thing. Uh, whereas that AR-180B, one eighty B, like it had provisions for a, a you know a, a top surely rail. surely this new upper comes with a Picatinny rail on top. 
if anyone, yeah, if people make new uppers, they're going to do a, a pick rail on top. Right. It's uh, so I don't know. It's 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 kind of interesting. And then wasn't there a, a bullpup that's based off of the Air Air One Eighty B that uh, that people were working on as well? Oh, that'd be interesting. Or am I thinking of the Air Seventeen? I'm not sure. Hmm. Not sure at all. But if uh, you know, if you could get some decent accuracy out of the One Eighty B, that'd be. It. What do you remember how it shot? Oh, it was it was. Um, Oh, let me think. Now I'd have to go back to my article and uh, and take a look. Oh, okay. I'm just curious. I mean, if it's minute a coyote, that'd be a that'd be a cool coyote gun too. Semi-auto. Yeah. yeah. M17. The M17 is the one I'm thinking. That's the that's the bullpup with the bullpup uh, version, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many of these are in the wild? I've never laid my hands on one in person. I don't see them come for sale very often. Um, is there a really is there a market to be making parts for these guns? I like, know that absolutely they... because how many how many other non restricted uh, semi automatic two two threes do you have that are like rightfully around the thousand dollar mark that are good? One, two, two. You got the VZ fifty eight and the T ninety seven. Yeah, but neither of those are gonna. I don't think they're gonna. You're gonna get the accuracy that you would want out of them. I think I think the AR one eighty uh, produces better accuracy than both those two. Oh, it's I will more take of a, that it's challenge. More of an, it's more I, of an AR uh, uh, usability on it as well. You've got your, you know, straight drop mags and uh, and that kind of thing. They're only a thousand bucks when you find one of these 180Bs. No, I bought mine for a thousand bucks. That was a year or two ago, and they have gone up in price. Yeah, that's oh, well, supply then. and demand, right? There just aren't yeah. very many of them, but, and so. so so you take you take those ones that are in existence out there. People are making new lowers. People are making new parts and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to have more of these things out there. But how can we have more of them out there? They're not being made anymore. Well, they. Well, I mean, they're, they're, we're making they're lowers making right lowers. now. Yeah, they're making them. Yeah. Okay, but can I buy a, an upper and a and a lower parts kit? As he wanders away from his microphone, and we can't hear him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let my cat out. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. So while you guys oh, were chatting, the trigger, I... trigger was terrible on mine. Yeah, I, I understand making parts for guns that are readily available and modern and that are on the market right now for sale, new. But I just don't, I just don't see this. Hmm. Well, we'll see. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's a simple to create rifle because it's just it's it's bent steel, right? It's it's uh, not yeah, a complicated it's, upper on it. Just okay, the upper too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the upper is uh, uh, folded steel, just like an AK, right? Yeah, it's uh, stamped. Yeah, stamped lower. Oh, so the upper stamped. Yeah, the, the upper, upper is stamped. The lower, yeah. the lower. I mean, if yeah, if Canada Ammo starts making some aluminum ones, and uh, and then you know whatever we do for the for the upper, if we do right, some of those still uh, stamped deals, that still doesn't create an availability of the initial platform to add these parts to. No. But, it's a gun that has it's a gun that hasn't been ma- manufactured in uh decades. Sure. There's well, only a, only a number of there's only so many in the out here in Canada, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a small market. Oh, well, yeah. and that, yeah, that means like the lowers Canada's are going to be expensive then. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens with it. I'm I'm interested to see if if enough places start making parts for them if uh I don't know, it's uh it it starts to become more of a more of a thing here in Canada. It would be nice to have more non-restricted 
semi-automatic 223s though absolutely right. i'm it, all it, over this it, i mean anytime it, it, that's uh, the, they're going to improve one that's already out there or you know start making it more available i mean that's not the case here there's still only a, a finite number of them but if they start pr- maybe not producing them but you know coming up with a solution for the upper and barrel attachment and stuff i, I mean all i'm all over uh, more 223 semi-auto rifles in canada that are non-restricted Right, but we're not getting more. We're not. I know. I'm product, just saying right? they're just working on it. Okay, I mean, you gotta okay. start somewhere. Yeah. Shall we move uh, on to SFRC? Great, my favorite great store? discussion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, it it made it made sense to do the flat top upper for the T97 because it's a newly, it's still being manufactured, right? You guys are, are talking about this like it's like it's going to suddenly make this rifle more available, and in reality, they're making um, new parts for an old rifle that there are a limited number of out there. And I think, Matthew, you nailed it when you said these parts are going to be expensive because the people who do want this rifle, who do want to revitalize it and bring it up to modern standards, they're going to get hosed. Possibly. Time will it's tell, like, though. It's, it's like buying newly manufactured parts for your antique muscle car. They're not making Mustangs anymore, but the people who are buying newly manufactured fenders but and doors. But I think windows, what you'll find is that the people who do own these AR-180Bs are fanatics for them, and they they are like the muscle car owners, and they want to upgrade them, and they want them to be better, but they don't have any parts, and so maybe because they're so fanatic over these guns, this is you know this is a good thing for them to actually be able to get the parts they want now. It's a bad thing for us because we didn't come up with the idea. <laughs> so, all right. That's my final thought. All right. Um, what else was there? there was, uh, they're also bringing in some white label brand gunpowder. This is uh, um, yeah, Canada, Canada ammo. ammo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bringing in some uh, some of their own branded gunpowder. It's like pretty cheap. Twenty six uh, bucks a pound, sold in five pound jugs. Uh, that's cheaper than anything I've seen recently. Whoa. I don't know. Okay, twenty six bucks a pound. Yes, but you buy five pounds. That's good. You buy five pounds, and it works out twenty six bucks a pound. That's fantastic. Now, IMR forty one ninety eight. I don't know anything about, but I'm sure it's a. It's obviously a rifle powder. Eight hundred eight hundred X is a shotgun powder that I just bought a pound of. So, I mean, I could be loading shotgun for a lot less at twenty six dollars a pound. Yep. There are there are other um, powders out there that are kind of generic knockoffs of other powders and. As long as you know what load data to, to copy for, it's it's a great thing. I know there's one guy in my club who was saying, yeah, I've got this generic powder, and I don't know how much to use, and he's loading it in 40 Smith & Wesson. <laughs> yeah, and like... You don't use re- generic powder. I mean, if you don't know what it is, you don't use it. You use it yeah. to play with Try in the backyard it. with the bonfire or something. You don't yeah. start sticking it in cartridges and putting it through your gun. You're making little mini pipe bombs if you don't know what you're working with. That's well, just dangerous. And, and a 40 being a high-pressure load, like a difference between a half a grain can all of a sudden be the difference in, you know, making power factor and making kaboom. Yeah. You yeah, can't no, just, you that's know. That's just silliness. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, SFRC is now the exclusive distributor of NEA in Canada, and they put lowers on sale for 100 bucks to celebrate. So if you want to lower, are, yeah. they're probably I wonder if gone. they yeah, yeah, this is about a week old, so I wonder yep. if they have any left. Probably I'm not. I'm sure they're gone. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. Uh, WAN stalls. That's how you say that, right? Nope. <laughs> is bringing in a new pistol training product called the Mantis X. So it, uh, it's, uh, I didn't even look at it. Who put that in? What is this thing? 
<laughs> I did. It's it's a little uh, uh, sensor that you put on on your pick rail on the bottom of your dust cover there on your on your pistol, and it it's it's watching for a couple of different things. One of the things that I saw that it was looking for is, is you're flinching. <laughs> so is this for when you're dry firing or when you're actually live fire live firing? Li- uh, I think both. the The video I was watching there was showing live fire. And it was showing the dip in the muzzle just before it went off, kind of ah, a thing, okay, which cool. is that's that's kind of hard to see unless really you're like is. watching really closely, or you got yep. like a slow motion camera or something. Or, like that. or you just look at your bullet impacts on the target. <laughs> that too, <laughs> and that doesn't cost you nothing. Oh, look at that! Yeah. You're grouping low left to your right-handed shooter. You're dipping your muzzle, and yeah. that will cost you nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, actually, it'll cost them two hundred bucks for a fun-filled day of Trevor and Matthew training. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and shooting their and we don't require batteries. Well, <laughs> yet, yet. Yep. My my pacemaker eventually will. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, this thing uh, it, it also uh, connects with an app. It's got a bunch of uh, different stats on it. So I haven't uh, I haven't taken a, a full look at all the stuff it does, but. It's a new product here in the country, so I thought cool. uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Sure. And uh, this last one here is Apex is moving to California. No, from California. <laughs> out to of. California. Oh, moving out of California. <laughs> yeah, right. no one yeah. moves to California. On I was going to say, that, that seems weird. I, I, I was like, well, obviously it's newsworthy. Anytime a firearms company goes to California, there's got to be something going on. But okay, mm, so yeah. they're so, leaving, so it's not really newsworthy because they're all well, leaving. So <laughs> who's I was thinking about it. And, who, are, uh, who is Apex? What do they do? Uh, Apex, uh, they're, they're primarily known for making triggers and. and oh, parts. Apex! They're, yeah, for the MMP oh, uh, pistols. That Apex, yeah. yeah. I yes. didn't even yeah. know they were in California. Good for them. Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, if they're if they're outside of California, they can't like they can't use it in, as a negotiating chip. But when you think about it, they don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> California government does not care, even if they use it as a negotiating chip. So, so like, it's going to happen uh, whether you, you want it or not. So you might as well just move out, right? Yeah. Uh, if, so, if Colorado was foolish enough to lose Magpul, California doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like. This is this is good business uh, heading out the door, and uh, you know they'll they'll move to a state where their uh, where their job creation is appreciated. So yep, mm. yep, cool. Alrighty, all right then. I guess we'll move into our main topic. All right, joining us this week we have two very special guests. Uh, we have Rod Giltaka and Tracy Wilson. Rod being the president of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, and Tracy Wilson, the chair. Uh, chair of the board for the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, and two personal friends of mine. It's good to talk to you guys again. Welcome back to Slamfire. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us on the show, Trev. Awesome. Um, so why don't we start with ladies first? Tracy, what's new? What have you been up to? You buy any guns lately? If you own that 338 Lapua, I will marry you right now. Um, what's new and exciting in your life? Well, lucky for you, I have no intention of ever getting married. So, no, the Lapua is not mine. It belongs to Greg Weiss. He's one of our field officers out here in Ottawa. And he brought that beauty of a gun out to the range and let me play with that for the Vice Media piece, which was great. Um, Other than that, I've been busy promoting this uh, CCFR Gunny Girl calendar. I'm sure Kelly's been talking about it on the show quite a bit. So, uh, it's an effort to raise some funds for the Women's Programming Initiative. And I've been doing a little promo on our Facebook group. If you're not a member, join up. 
and showing, you know, just a little sneak peek of each girl with a quick bio, um, just a little teaser. So if you want to see them with their guns, you're going to have to buy the calendar. But just giving guys a little sneak peek, well, giving the members, everybody, a little sneak peek of what they can expect in there. So I've been doing that. I've also been roaming the streets of Ottawa um, and down at the House of Commons meeting with different MPs. Uh, these are the candidates for the CPC leadership um, race that's coming up in May. So they're all campaigning really hard. And I attended the um, leadership conference that was here in Ottawa. Uh, I got to ask them a couple questions. CBC covered it. So that was pretty cool. And uh, kind of made friends with a few of them. So it's given me some opportunity to go down, address our you know issues, and ask the tough questions that Canadian firearms owners are asking. And uh, it's been pretty successful. I got two of them done yesterday. So I'm going to be forming some sort of CCFR report card um, just to kind of give a, you know, a across the board look at, at the candidates and uh, conservative gun owners can make their decisions from there. So it sounds like it's just another way that CCFR is kind of getting their foot in the door in Ottawa. That's, that's what I'm hearing here. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are a nonpartisan group, so, you know, we don't necessarily promote any certain uh, party or any candidate in, candidate in particular. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, just because we're nonpartisan doesn't mean we're nonpolitical, right? There is a exactly. certain amount of, <laughs> of politics involved in gun law. So, Certainly. yeah, it, it's, sure. it's to our benefit to at least uh, go out and make sure that our concerns are heard by the candidates and that they know that, you know, we, we're watching. Awesome. So. Very well said. Uh, we can be nonpartisan and still remain politically active. That's that's super important. And I'm not sure if a lot of people realize that about the CCFR. So thank you for uh, for bringing that up. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Giltaka, sir. Yes. How how are you? I, I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good. You you've cost you've cost me some money. Well, you will cost me money in the future. I want you to know that since my visit out there, when I was able to fondle your XCRL in seven point six two by thirty nine, uh -huh. I haven't I haven't stopped talking about it. Oh really? Yeah, I'm oh, very cool. I'm very taken with the newest model. Only I'm going to spring for the three hundred blackout. But anyway, somebody accused me of making everything about me, and it looks like I just did that. I apologize. <laughs> this is about you. Uh, what's new with you, and uh, what have you been up to, and and uh, anything to add to the CCFR that maybe Tracy didn't cover? Uh, well, I can tell you what I've been up to. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll mention one more thing that Tracy's been up to that she didn't mention is uh, she's been up to running the CCFR. So it's probably a yeah. good opportunity. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a good opportunity yeah. to yeah. say uh, for me to everybody, you know, that without Tracy, there is no CCFR. She she does everything. So anyway, would, big thank you to Tracy. I would yeah. concur with I would concur with that. Uh, yeah. The, the the behind the scenes getting things done that people don't even know is going on. That's that's what Tracy's up to. Yeah. Things, oh, that, things so. that nobody knew had to get done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. So what about okay. you then, Rod? Well, personally, I've just been doing the uh, Canadian Firearm Safety courses. Um, I this is a slow month. I only taught two courses this month, so that's twenty five additional licensed gun owners circulating around. Usually. Uh, per month, I would run through around 45 people. So it's um, we get, we're keeping them coming. And uh, as far as the CCFR is concerned, I've been involved in a new project uh, with the CCFR, which is uh, creating these explainer videos. So we sent out a, a newsletter, and it was our first newsletter ever. So if you got one, you, you knew that because I put that in there, and you probably hadn't previously received one. Uh, it's something we should have done a long time ago, but, you know, 
it's a long time ago. Yeah, because we've yeah. been around forever, and yeah, it just but, you know. yeah. Yeah, but still, right? I mean, it's it's we've done we've done a tremendous amount of stuff in in the one year that we've been around, but still, exactly. you know, exactly. We finally well, got around to getting that newsletter out. Yeah, it's here now. Yeah, it's here now. So, but uh, one of the things I did explain was what uh, what I actually wanted those essays. I sent this call out for essays on the on the firearm forums and on Facebook and stuff, and I was gathering points for different topics and um, what all of that was for was to create explainer videos. So just in case people don't know what an explainer video is, is uh, you've seen them on uh, on YouTube or you've seen them on TV. Basically you have a uh, someone that's a, that's the host of it or whatever, the, the, the broadcaster announcer standing in front of a green screen and you're, you're educating them in some topic with animated graphics and facts and figures and, you know, dynamic graphs and pictures and stuff like that going at the same time. So, the, the latest thought was that we should produce, again, the first time ever, produce explainer videos on some very important firearms-related topics. Uh, so the first one that's coming out is going to be on the 1022 issue, even though it's it's an individual issue. So, you know, that video might not be relevant four years from now. It's still, it's still a real problem, the 1022 issue. So we got that coming out, and uh, we're also going to be doing another somewhere from six to eight more of them probably by March they'll all be out. So the, it'll, uh, it'll be a very interesting thing. They're going to be very shareable. They're going to be very short to the point, but they're excellent educational tools that you can send to somebody to your non-gun owning friends or, or whatever. It'll hold your attention. It'll teach you something uh, foundational about firearms ownership, like magazine capacities or, you know, what have you, or is there a gun problem in Canada, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's been a lot of work. So I've, uh, that's what I've been up to at the CCFR. Excellent. Well, I'm sure uh, the listeners are certainly looking forward to having those released. And as you said, it's what's really cool about it is you can share them. And mm-hmm. like the video, I well, my Facebook is kind of locked down more or less. But when it came to sharing the documentary we're about to discuss, that's something I made a point of sharing publicly. When you select your your settings and who gets to view what you post to your Facebook wall, I flicked that one intentionally to um, to public because I've got a fair amount of non-gun owning friends on my wall. And, you know, I tagged it with, Hey, if you're curious about firearms in Canada or how to get licensing. So, uh, the fact that you're producing those videos, I think will definitely be, uh, be useful. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it, and it's, you know, I will stress, right. It's something like this has never been done. And that in itself is, as we've said all along, that is the reason for the CCFR is doing things that we've never tried before and never, never done before and things that in our opinion as a group needed to be done. So, but you know, all that political stuff is important, but I bought a new gun. Oh, okay, good. What what'd you get? <laughs> Everybody suddenly perked up. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, everybody's waking up from their quick yeah, little blah, 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 CCFR yeah. education, blah, 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 yeah. new gun. <laughs> yeah, Rod's going to talk. I can probably get five minutes in, eight minutes yeah. of sleep. Um, but uh, I got a GSG-15 hot, off the press. A GSG-15. Okay, so this is the same yeah, company. We were just talking makes... about those in uh, what last week or the week before. Those are like brand new yep. to Canada, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. I got one and I uh, got a GSG 15 and seven magazines. So I'm, mm. yeah, you know, I'm not, I know that, uh, that Matthew is, is the resident 22 enthusiast. I'm not that big into 22s, but it looked like a really cool gun. It's as close to an AR as you can get. That's non-restricted, uh, in a 22 format. And I'm going to take that thing out and I'm going to run and gun, uh, with that thing, uh, and, and, uh, do a review and stuff. So I'm kind of excited about it. 
That sounds like fun. You should send it to me when you're done. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I won't do. Oh, come on. <laughs> so so it's uh, kind of like the MMP22, but this one's going to be non-restricted. Right, and it, and it, you know, GSG's done a reasonably good job of not, you know, I don't want to beat up on Mossberg, but, uh, you know, that, that 715T was just such a... Junk. It's just a pile of garbage, you know, with yep. all due respect to anybody that owns one. It's just like Plank- it's a toy, yeah. right? It's a Plankster wrapped in plastic and everything feels cheap and airsoft. Yeah. So this so one's how- a little better, you know? I was going to say, how is this one different? Well, this one, all the all the controls are laid out like a, like a SCAR slash AR-15. And the magazines are in the same form factor, 22 rounds, by the way. And they don't make a pistol, thank goodness. For now, um, but you, the the magazines themselves are in the same form factor, very very close to an AR-15, which allows you to to fill these magazines up with your 22 rounds and put them in your magazine pouches and and have some of that inexpensive AR platform type training that I've been looking for, but couldn't. You know, it's hard to do that with a Ruger 10-22 because the magazines don't come out the same way and they don't fit in your pouches, and all the rest of that stuff. So yeah, it's kind of neat. Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your review of it. Um, I haven't been into these yet, but eh, maybe this is the one. What I've been doing is just sticking the 22 conversion kit in the AR and mm-hmm. and doing that. But that that kit's almost the price of a gun, right? Well, and you can't you can't take it out to the bush, and that's that I've been doing as much training out in the forest as I possibly can these days. I'm really that's what I'm really into right now. So yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, because the range isn't. Range, you know, maybe you don't want to join a range. You know, Matthew was, uh, he didn't have a restricted rifle forever because if his rifles couldn't go hunting, he didn't really have a, a point for them. But then when we started to get into three gun and stuff, well, you know, and, and let's be honest, the listeners built the rifle for him. So I think that was finally the deciding factor. That right? was basically it. You give me yeah. something and I guess I'll take it. <laughs> whatever. Yes. So, so gracious. Yeah, but you do do a lot of shooting in the woods. We see that in your videos and so this is an inexpensive way to get out in the bush and you're especially if you know the mags fit in the same pouches and everything. That's that's awesome. That's yeah, kind of neat. Yeah, so let's move into the um the reason for our having both of you on the show tonight and that is to discuss a documentary that just hit the webs today. Was it today? This morning or yesterday? Yesterday. 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 So it just hit the internet yesterday, and both of you were featured in this documentary. Uh, it was done by Vibe, and the title of the documentary is Armed and Responsible. So either one of you, doesn't matter, Tracy or Rod, jump in and tell us what your role was throughout this documentary. Why don't you go ahead, Tracy, and tell them about the Vice documentary. Ladies I call first. It? Vibe. Okay, so... Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, boy. That's cool, So. Too. Vice contacted us uh, last summer and they wanted to get together and work on this documentary. We had a few reservations about it, but after uh, spending some time talking to Nick Wilson and realizing that, you know, other other people in our community were getting involved and we kind of took it as an opportunity to help promote shooting, uh, the shooting sports, and, you know, just um, help reinforce this positive outlook that we want people to have on our sport and our community. So what we did was we did a a two-part day with them, which you don't really get to see a lot of it on there. I I understand, you know, there's a lot of editing, but I think a lot of the really good stuff was cut out, but that's okay. Uh, We, Rod and I got our suits on and we went down and did a really uh, good sit-down interview with Parliament Hill as our backdrop and discussed some Canadian gun laws and 
some misconceptions and, you know, did our, our kind of our verbal interview that way. And then uh, the premise of the, of the um, documentary, I'll give you just a quick backgrounder on this, was the journalist, it was uh, a young girl from Toronto. She was going to go through the journey of becoming a firearms owner. So it went straight from uh, the beginning, you know, when she made the decision and took her Canadian firearms safety course, uh, you know, through that um, experience, then she wrote her exam, sent away her paperwork. Seven weeks later, she got her pal in the mail, bought her first gun. And then what she did was she went around to different members of our community and tried some of the different genres of sport. So the the entire premise of this uh, documentary was meant to keep really light. It was just, you know, just to see what's, what are we doing? What is the big deal? What is the attraction? Um, so we were down the list a little bit as far as um, placement, just because ge geographically where we are. So Rod was in Ottawa for the AGM last year. So it was a good opportunity for us to hook up. We went down to Parliament Hill. We did the interview uh, with the nice backdrop. Then we took her out to the range. We went to the Eastern Ontario Shooting Club, uh, which has always been great supporters of the CCFR. And we did some long-range shooting with her. And we got her on the big Lapua 338. And, you know, it's, it's a big gun. It's what she asked for. So we went for it. I mean, we did have other options there, but... You know, we kind of wanted, uh, the, the producer really wanted her to experience kind of, you know. The beast. The beast. That's <laughs> what I've been calling it. So. It truly Yeah, is. so that's what we did. I mean, uh, you know, it was, I think it was more just centered around just a kind of a, a promotional documentary rather than, you know, scientific data driven Perfect. type stuff. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Because like I, I had listened to a little bit of it and uh, I saw that she was saying, yeah, I didn't really like the rifle. It was really loud. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not that bad. But if it was a 3.38 Lapua, I guess. That's... With a comp, yeah. The only safe yeah. place to be is behind it. Yeah. So uh, absolutely, I love it. In the in the opening uh, in the opening of that documentary, the, they show a a cool overhead shot of me shooting it. You just see my ponytail flipping around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. I love it. Okay, so Rod, then um, Tracy, give us the background on your role. What's your opinion of it? How do you think it's being received? How how did you receive it? Um, you know, you went into it with some reservations, rightfully so, because oftentimes these things can be a bait and switch. You know, they tell you one thing and then they bastardize it in the editing room. So, what's your opinion of the final product and how do you think it's being received? I think it's being received really well, and I think it accomplished. Um, I think what it, what the director set out to do. So the the guy that produced it, as Tracy mentioned, Nick Wilson, no no uh, relation, as far as I know. Um, no, none. But I think what he what he did was he created a very accurate portrayal of Canada's gun culture. And what was kind of unique about Nick was he he was, in my opinion, actually quite courageous because he's over at Vice, which is very left leaning. You know, they 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 have an ideology there. Um, and the safe thing he, you know, could have done, he could have played it safe and just did some anti-gun hit piece and it would have been well received and well supported advice, but he didn't. He actually spent enough time and put in enough effort, took long enough, but because of all this effort and really revealed who Canadian gun owners are, which are good people. It's your neighbor next door and highly scrutinized, highly law abiding, you know, uh, typically um, good moral compass and people that just really love firearms and everything and all the different sports associated with them. And, and it's very rare that you get a documentary that is able to focus on that, not focus on, 
data and whatever, which people are desensitized to, unfortunately, um, and just show us for who we are. So I think it was it was really well done from that perspective. Yeah, you can only lay out the numbers so much. Uh, people are intimidated by numbers. They have a, a lack of understanding of how that data is collected. They don't know how to interpret it. So th- those types of things obviously aren't for everyone. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think um, it is what it is. And I think it did it did achieve its goal. They set out to, you know, show what it's really like. Um, there have been, uh, I've been reading comments uh, everywhere that it's posted. And I'm seeing a bit of, sent a bit of um, a disappointment with the anti-American sentiment. I'm not sure I really picked up that it was, had an anti-American tone to it. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think it's a common thing that that any uh, media format does is this comparison game all the time. Uh, you know, and even even in the way she talked about the, um, you know, the thought process and, and the way we are, she, you know, distinguished some differences between us. Um, the The goal of, I didn't even know she was doing the, the portion about the Americans or going down and visiting the NRA or doing any of that. And really, I mean, it, it is a different culture. I don't think it's necessarily a worse culture. It's just, it's just different. Um, I'm not an expert on American gun culture or American, you know, gun law. So, you know, I'll let Rod join in on that. But, you know, I didn't, it doesn't really bother me. I, I do think it is a bit of a different culture. Did you pick yeah. up any anti-American uh, sentiment, Rod? Well, the finished product. There, there always is. You know, you, we get that cons- comparison all the time, right? America is always used as what we don't want to be, and that's why we don't want to loosen any gun laws or or whatever. Um, but uh, I, I would have a hard time seeing them do a gun documentary without referencing the United States because it is kind of an outlier in certain areas, statistically speaking. But I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, you know. I guess if you were to zoom out and look at this in its totality, if Vice was doing a gun documentary, you know, you should have anxiety. You'd be like, oh, you know, how bad are we going to get raked across the coals, <laughs> right? And and so maybe I'm looking at it from a realistic perspective. Anytime that we're portrayed in a 22-minute documentary in the media, it's usually negative. Well, the 98% of the time it's negative. So, you know what, I think uh, she made some observations on the American gun culture. I, I thought actually I really enjoyed the uh, the lady that was talking about the concept of her being her own first responder. I thought that segment was awesome, and I I thought what a courageous woman. So I thought that they uh, they did some service to the gun culture down there. Excellent. Okay, uh, I want to share a quote with you that um, I read on Facebook today. Uh, I'm going to leave the username out and just read the quote and ask you for your uh, your reactions to the quote. Uh, and it goes like this. I give this thing about a 3 out of 10. A couple of points for effort and trying to be understanding. As for factual information, one point. They are incorrect about self-defense in the home in Canada, which allows for deadly force. And of course, they neglected to consult any experts, whether experts on law and experts on epidemiology. Canada does in fact track mass homicides. I have the statistics. There's a great deal of evidence the laws don't prove that laws don't prevent. Wait now, there is a great deal of evidence the laws don't prevent homicide. Basically, it's the formulation of opinion and some shooting. So, how would you guys like to respond to that? Do we agree? I mean, is it overly critical? Basically, Ladies first. All right. 
Yes, go ahead, ma'am. Um, I would say, yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. That's what it was. It wasn't meant to be um, a scientific data-driven documentary. It was meant to be more of a promotional piece, which it was. Uh, some of the things she said, I, I agree. There, There is a right to self-defense in, in the home under the proper circumstances. And I've taken the use of force course, so I understand that. Um, so yeah, she was mistaken on that. And, you know, I would encourage if anybody like I do with every media piece that I've ever seen is if I see anything that is wrong with it, um, I write into the people responsible for the article and just offer my support and, uh, and a correction, which I would encourage everybody to do. As far as, you know, quoting statistics and there, there is a time and a place for that. And I would be open to working on a project such as that. This, however, was not that type of project. This is absolutely a promotional piece for the shooting sports in Canada. And, uh, you know, we, we were happy to, it, it was meant to appeal to, the, you know, young people and millennials and people who didn't grow up around firearms, you know, and it, it, it's meant to dispel some of the media, you know, the, the, the myths that are created about us that were these, you know, kind of, you know, redneck rough types, or I don't know what you want to call it. But yeah, it's just meant to, it was, it's a promotional piece to, uh, you know, appeal to young people. The viewing age of vice pieces are between 18 and 32. Um, they're not going to sit through 22 minutes of statistical data. They're not. So if that's what somebody was expecting out of this, then yeah, they would be disappointed and perhaps they should, um, you know, offer themselves up uh, to somebody that's willing to produce a piece like that. Vice, however, is doing a, a fun promotional piece, and I was proud to be part of that. Awesome. Rod, anything to add to that? Um, there's, as you guys well know, in the firearms community, probably any community, there's always people that had a different vision of what this thing would have been, and they're disappointed. So um, if you're looking for you know facts and figures, you'll definitely find those out there. But we actually, uh, we... We ended up with a really rare and valuable opportunity, and it was a piece that was produced by someone else, uh, by Vice, at no cost to gun owners. That that was centered on humanizing gun owners, and that kind of that kind of publicity is very expensive. And it was actually a, a really good opportunity for us, and they did a good job of humanizing us because that's what we are. So it was a very different type of piece, and not everybody's going to be happy with everything um, that you do, but. No, I'm I'm happy with it. I, uh, was, were there inaccuracies? Absolutely. Yeah, there was a couple in those, uh, and and what was pointed out is that's true. But still, it wasn't the point of the documentary, so it's negligible in my opinion. Very good. Uh, my co-hosts, any any final questions or thoughts or comments for uh, Tracy and Rod before we uh, say thank you and let them go? Well, I mean, it was it's better than the CBC piece, so. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, that's not difficult. There's a high bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, out of the shadow, fake news. <laughs> yeah. Out of the sh- out of the shadows had its place. It wasn't as bad of a beta switch as what people thought. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, mm. that's true. No, I just wanted to say thank you to both uh, Rod and Tracy for actually doing it and having the courage to uh, you know take on the task. Uh, they represented uh, gun owners in Canada really, really well. So I wanted to thank you both for that. Um, and also, Tracy, yeah, we're going to promote the ca- the calendar every uh, every opportunity we get. So, awesome! Uh, thank you for all your help with that as well. Because you know what, just like the lady that was in that piece, you know, female 
she's in her 20s, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Uh, those are the type of ladies that we want to get into the uh, shooting sports. So, yeah. But, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Good stuff, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us again. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. Thanks Perfect. very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, thanks again to Rod and Tracy for joining us and talking about the uh, documentary there. That was uh, It was fun to have them on. We've got to have them on more often. No? You guys don't agree? No? All right, crickets. All right, we've got to have them on more often. You guys are like, yeah, tweet, tweet, no. I concur. Yeah, you knock fast enough. Too. That was awkward. They're not going to like you. The silence was acceptance. Oh, the silence. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I shall take your silence as a yes. Is that exactly. what I should have? All That's right. what you should have. Way to make it awkward. It's too late. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Oh, wait. I, I just figured we we're at awkward. We must be done the show. <laughs> no? I mean, we're still in the show. Ah, yeah. Right. We have this new thing we're doing this week. We are doing a new thing this week. It, it, uh, Trevor was reading to me, as he does. Okay. Um, awkwardly. Awkwardly. <laughs> I was over at his place last weekend or the weekend before, I can't count, something like that. And uh, he, he's like, you got to hear this. And so he pulled out uh, the, the local classifieds and he started reading me gun ads and they were pretty funny. So Jewel was listening in on this and she said, that should be a new segment on the show. Well, here we are. Mm. So Trevor, take it away. Read us some funny gun classified ads. I found a couple other ones, but I'm definitely going to do these three. Uh, the first one here, if you're looking for a 330 Model 94, then you need to call this number. A 330? 330, yep. You call 685-0828 if you're looking for a 330 Model 94. I've been looking for a 330. I've never been able to find one, though. Well, They're good all news. like 3030s. But a 330? Man, that actually the is next, zero. The very next one is actually a Merlin 330. Oh, two 330s in the same yeah, spot. Yeah, one's, one's, one's a Model 94, and the other one's a Marlin 330. So. Ah. And uh, there's also some restricted handguns for sale. <laughs> Don't I, and, That's it, huh? Uh, Just restricted handguns for sale. Call. <laughs> well, and also, the, the person is selling a 22 slingshot Ooh, for $400. Nice. What? A 22 yeah. slingshot. You take the slingshot, you put 22 shells in it, and bam. This same person also has a nine millimeter, seven hundred dollars. Sweet. You figure out what brand, I guess. Just any uh, sort just of bullets. Yeah. Are they, char- are they charging by the letter? I guess they must be. Actually, I thought they were free. free. Yeah, this is all free. This is all free, Kelly. I think so, that's explained. Put in as many letters here. as you want. Okay, uh, nine millimeter, seven hundred dollars. <laughs> Okay, look, all right, all right. I got I got a couple more to get through. All right, uh, this one this one starts off strong, for sale three hundred three, number four Mark one Long Branch. That's 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 three hundred fifty bucks. We all know a good a good a Long Branch in good condition is worth a lot of money. So all right, also some ammo and reloading stuff. It is literally it says that reloading stuff. Reloading stuff. <laughs> I have reloading stuff for sale. Can you put that in the in the How many, yeah, How many reloading stuffs? stuffs? I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, two more. We have a for sale 303 Army gun. Please call. Oh, the Army gun. The best one yet. And this one I really need to call and ask about. This one is for sale. Thirty odd six Army gun 1918. Thirty odd six. What does odd. that remind you of? Like 30? ODD, like odd. Yeah, it literally says 30 the number odd thirty. Six. 
and then ODD six. I think they meant to say thirty odd six. Yeah, <laughs> thirty ODD thirty odd six army gun from nineteen eighteen. That's that worth could actually off. be a yeah. That could, that could be, be a, a Springfield nineteen oh three. You should call on that one I, because we know you're into Milserp now. So yep. shut it. Well, it's true. Yeah, no, no, I should definitely call on that one, and I should call on the uh, Long Branch. And the reloading stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there could be some if good deals in there. You know, I've, I've found uh, the some of the worst worded stuff, they've got the best deals. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they may not know what they've got. 303 mm-hmm. Army Gun and a 30-odd-6 Army Gun. <sighs> there you go. And I bet <laughs> they don't ask for a pal. I'll report back next week. I will call these numbers tomorrow and let you know what I find out. Cool. I look forward to this. All right. (laughs) So, uh, listeners, if you come across any entertaining, funny gun classified ads, please feel free to send them in and and share them. We'll all all have a laugh at somebody else's expense. Sounds good to me. All right. Listener feedback then. Adriel. (laughs) How'd you like to read this one from James? James Bork, a.k.a. Ginger Snaps. Listeners, don't listen to the Patreon podcast with special guest James B. I thought I was listening to a Modern Rifleman radio show. It is terrible. Long periods of silence (laughs) followed by, I don't know what, every New Brunswick teacher's dream. It's uh, what you get when everyone gets a participation medal. (laughs) Uh, It did not work. I picked a topic thinking we would talk about other podcast shows and raise awareness how I was wrong. Trevor can turn anything into, this is how I do things. <laughs> My God, if I was a, a stalker, I could draw some pictures and leave them at the front door with notes. <laughs> Remember that done. time you got a picture, Trevor? Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly, you're mad on the gun podcast. I never knew that there was that many. Adriel, I'm flying out west for Christmas. Maybe I can buy you a Quebec pizza for lunch, a Pop-Tart with ketchup. Then you know you made it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Remember, listeners, open those port de fouet? Port de fouet. Yeah, port de fouet. Yeah, you basically nailed it, Adriel. Wallets. Okay, I'm a really good Frenchman. (laughs) Wallets. Open your wallets. Uh, (laughs) They are nowhere close to the corporate jet. I want to be whisked off to a Matt Furlot handguns, f- vitals, just so I can ask for my money back. <laughs> uh, for a podcast, it was nice. Tr- it was a nice try, but I'll never do that again. <laughs> Thanks for the free. Keep up the good work. Fire your PA that got your last special guest. <laughs> P.S. There will be a cease and assist from my lawyers. Yeah, it's not, not cease and desist. No, cease, cease, cease and, and assist. assist. <laughs> this is like a funny gun ad. PPS about the question how to make the show better Trevor you need M-A-D-D mothers against drunk driving female anti-gunny mom that will take the opposite side of whatever you say no matter what you say you might not get anywhere in a conversation but I'll be rolling on the floor (laughs) I'll give you five stars but I will need them back (laughs) thank you James I think I think so, too. I thought the podcast with him went quite well, actually, but what do I know? Apparently, he thought it was terrible. It was fun. It was fun. He's just pulling our chain. All right, Trevor. You know, it wasn't our best or anything, but, you know. Well, I mean, he was on. How could it be? 
Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I meant to take the ginger snaps out of there, but hey, James just got himself a nickname. Ginger snaps, huh? Ginger snaps. Yeah, well, he's a ginger, and he just snapped at us. Yeah, ginger snaps. That's how I put that together. He's I like ginger that. And, okay. You did it all by yourself? Did Christina help you at all? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Cool. Yeah. I mean, hey, don't be ashamed to accept help. We all learn at different rates. <laughs> Trevor, speaking of learning at different rates, want to read this next one for us? It's short, no. so I thought of you. <laughs> oh, so is my fuse. Uh, so this is from uh, Sharp97. He says, thanks for the advice, guys. I will definitely look into exactly what kind of sport we should model our league after. On your advice, you guys suggested Steel Challenge. So I'm wondering how that would be different in Ontario, you know, with the shrouding and all. I've heard something about Cowboy Action not having to shroud their steel, but I wouldn't know. Thanks again, Sharp97. So, yeah, true, true steel challenge, not made-up steel challenge or outlaw steel challenge. True steel challenge can't be done with shrouding. No. The way the, the, way the no. targets are constructed, it just can't happen. Not unless you, like, no, there'd be no, you'd have to have, like, some huge sort of, Bum. no, you just, you just couldn't do it. Yep. So why is it that cowboy action can can be shot like it's it's because oh, cowboy guns are safer trevor you know that oh because, right yeah well because it's because of the powder. it's it's because this softer lead and the powder charge sure yeah okay tell yourself that yeah okay they, don't they? <laughs> they don't have to shrug no Not they don't in Ontario. I, I uh, yeah they, we know we know they don't have to but why is it they don't have to but everybody else does know. yeah yeah so yeah i guess so so Just, i did just like okay. when we get our range certification from the CFO in New Brunswick, mm-hmm. it says that none of our pistol bays are approved for shotgun, but they are approved for cowboy action. Right. Uh, wait, wait, what? There's shotgun oh, and cowboy, cowboy action. action. Exactly. Hmm. Anyway. I did respond to him, though, because I know that we at, well, here I am. I just told you I'm going to go to Frontenac. Anyway, Frontenac, they have a huge bunker there, and they do run steel challenge matches there. And they use a dueling... A tree. They use the Texas Star. They use. That's poppers. not steel challenge, though. What is it? It's just shooting so, steel. Steel challenge doesn't yeah. use plate racks. Steel challenge mm-hmm. doesn't use Texas stars. Steel challenge oh, really? is is a set of standardized stages that mm-hmm. are uh, built to a certain specification, and the targets are steel plates on posts, and they are steel rectangles welded on posts, and um, you you set them up in the bay. And you run five runs at them. Just Google Steel Challenge and go to their website, and you'll see what I'm talking about, and you'll understand why it can't be uh, official. That's why I started off by saying official actual Steel Challenge matches can't. Ah. You can still have a lot of fun right. with them, even if they had to be shrouded, though. So right. you could so still do you... this, even if they were shrouded. You wouldn't be able to do an official Steel Challenge run, but you can still use all the same rules and have that as your basis for your for your uh, league there. You may have to modify it slightly, but that's fine. There's nothing wrong with modifying things. How would how you shot our steel challenge targets? How would you go about shrouding those? Well, you would you wouldn't do it the exact same way as steel challenge is what I'm trying to say. You come up use with steel a way targets, com- right? You'd have to use exactly come up with a different way. But I'm just saying use the steel challenge rules if you still want a set of rules that you have to abide by so that you have a starting point. Modified targets, sure. Something smaller that you could get a shroud around, sure. Yeah. yeah. But look into it. Maybe uh, maybe Steel Challenge also has uh, the exemption from from shouting. Who knows? Call your CFO and find out. Oof. 
yeah, I, they they no. would have a they would have a much bigger problem with steel challenge because the plates don't fall, and some ranges and some CFOs require all steel to fall. Yeah, well, until he because calls the CFO himself, he won't know for sure. So. Yeah, you know what he could look into is the Glock. Glock has its own shooting sport. I think it's called Glock. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember it off the top of my head, and that does use plate racks and stuff like that. So that may be a more suitable and adaptable to ranges that have bunkers. Yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. I'm googling. You're googling. All right. I was going to get you googling. to read this next one, but I can do it then if you're uh, if you're googling. Next okay. one's from Justin. He says, "I know that CBC isn't a favorite source. However, I'm interested in your opinion on the use of the term small arsenal." Is it properly applied? Uh, have you noticed the other article in the last week that had to do with a licensed firearms owner clearly and intentionally breaking the law? It's a court named man allegedly selling guns to criminals after buying them himself. Do you have any concerns that stories like this will make it more difficult for use as law-abiding gun owners to have restrictions on our favorite things, um, black guns and 22 mags, uh, be removed? Lastly, and I understand this will be an unpopular question, is our current background check and personal reference system thorough enough to weed out most of these bad apples? P.S. I personally believe in the system, but I often play devil's advocate, if only to ensure we have a strong defense. P.P.S. On a lighter note, do you intentionally mispronounce Patreon or not? I need to know if it's an inside joke or something so that it'll stop raising my blood pressure every time. You are the only podcast I listen to that pronounces it that way, so it catches my personal idiosyncrasies. No need to stop, just let me know. Otherwise, I'll have to drink or something every time I listen to an episode. So that's from Justin, and we're just going to skip right over that part, and uh, we're not going to tell him if we're doing it intentionally or not, right? Because we want <laughs> well, him to... Well, he can uh, drink. I, will, we I want him to say it like that. Yeah, Adriel's right. He can drink. And I will say this, Justin... Every podcast I listen to that has a Patreon program pronounces it Patreon. So I don't. So know to everybody's you. wrong apparently, though, because Kelly researched it and it's actually pronounced Patreon. Yep. So we'll the we Patreon just all like pronounce it a different way. Then one of us got to be right. <laughs> I would think that the the company who owns it would be the the defining source. They they have stolen the name from the term patronage. Right. right. Pronounce patronage. Unless you're British, in which case it's patronage. But we're not. So <laughs> maybe maybe they're British, though. We're Canadian. Mm, we are Canadian. That's pretty close to British. Got so. British spelling. Mm. All right. So, yeah, it's so, Patreon. And it's actually Patreoni. So, yes, yeah. Justin. So back he, back to your, your serious part. So uh, he's referring to the article that we read earlier where the, the guy got uh, busted for hit and run sure. and then got all his guns uh, uh taken by the police because they're all illegal or a lot of them were so small arsenal small do we do we have an issue uh, with mm-hmm. the term small arsenal i mean what is an arsenal if you look it up in the dictionary what's an arsenal it's a, a, a large collection of weapons isn't it yep so yes if it's so properly has, applied i don't have a problem with it i mean english is english the fact is that cbc will always use the scariest terms possible mm-hmm. because of their anti-gun agenda so, yeah, I have a problem when CBC uses it because CBC will not use it in the correct context. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll complain about someone having, like, thousands I, of I, rounds. I have a problem with the CBC, period. Yeah. So, yeah, me too. Anything so they do, I don't like. <laughs> later on, he says, do you have any concern that stories like this will make it more difficult 
for us as law-abiding citizens or law-abiding gun owners to have restrictions on our yes these stories are always meant to taint public opinion yep and get people on who are on the fence to fall on the side they want so we as gun owners don't go out there very often we don't control the, the the mass media and the public media so we don't get to promote the safety and the fun and the culture the only time guns get into the uh, mass media is when it's in a Bad. negative light. Yeah. So absolutely have a concern about it because the only thing that people on the fence are ever seeing on the six o'clock news is the bad side of gun ownership. And we One see flop. this. We see this all the time too because whenever I talk to people who are, you know, maybe just on the wrong side of the fence, not rabidly anti-gun, but you know, they they just like you know, the only guns are bad. They get is exactly. From and a simple five-minute conversation with many of these people Turns it promptly pop them back onto the correct side of the fence because all they need is that logic and that common sense of, you know, the well, what we all know, what the, what the best arguments are there. So, you know, all we need is that small, simple conversation with them. And that actually happened uh, yesterday at school with one of the students uh, in grade 12. She was talking about gun control and I... I wasn't even part of the conversation, but I overheard it, and so, of course, my ears perked up, and I swung my head over and asked just a couple innocent questions about her thoughts on gun control, and then... Um, Debunked gave, everything she thought Every she single one. And she... Now, she is rabidly anti-gun. She She's too steeped in what she's seen in the news and on the internet and stuff. So I couldn't convince her, but I convinced easily a half dozen other students who were standing around listening, going, well, what he's saying makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's common sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So you know even I, if you don't get the person who is bringing up the, the negative side, you can easily swing the opinion of people listening in. Ask Matthew, depending on what classes you're involved in, if you can play the documentary. I played the documentary for my class this morning. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it's it spurred all kinds of conversation because I have a hmm. lot of students who come from uh, rural areas who uh, I know that there are firearms all around, and I am I I doubt very much that there are licensing, and uh, there's a whole lack of un, of understanding of our laws, and there's no desire to learn them. Right. They they never run into any kind of law enforcement, so they just there's a whole attitude in parts of rural Canada where it doesn't apply to them. Yep. And in fact, it does. Yes, it does. So, yeah. All right. I, well, thank you for the email, Justin, and uh, hopefully we answered your question satisfactorily, except for the Patreon part. Yeah. And hopefully you're a Patreoni. Hopefully you should be a Patreoni if you're not. Mm. Yeah. So uh, if you'd like to send an email to the show, you can send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We don't have any new iTunes reviews as of the recording of this show, but we would like to thank everybody who has left their iTunes reviews. We certainly do like them. So uh, feel free to pop onto iTunes there and send us some love. Shoutouts. Mike from the Reloading Podcast, you know why. Thank you for doing me a solid. I don't know if it's done yet. If it's not, here's a friendly reminder. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ken Kowalski invited me to replace Brian on Modern Rifle and Radio today so I think I'm going to take him up on that probably a good call Yeah, permanently though right (laughs) well I don't know I don't run the show doesn't matter but I mean I'm willing to do it permanently sure it's not like Brian ever contributed much anyway I wonder if Brian knows that he's out yeah, yeah, can can put it publicly on his wall. Oh, it would have been funnier if he didn't even know. So, so Brian like starts to call in at at recording time, and Ken's like, "No, we're not going to answer no. that." 
Yeah, thanks. thanks. And he, he would say something like, thanks for believing in me, Brian, and hang up on him. Right. Yeah, because Ken Kowalski uh, graduated today from his uh, gunsmithing school. So Yes, congratulations to Ken. Yes, congratulations. Yep, that's cool. Mm. So uh, we can ask him which bits to use in the Dremel and what the perfect ratio of J.B. Weld is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> And which which kind of Krylon to to apply for yes. a camo finish? Yep. <laughs> Beauty. Yeah. All right. I got a, a shout out for just Mark again for uh, taking me out for dinner and uh, making feeding that. You uh, corn. Feeding me what? Corn. 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 corn yes. Yeah. If he takes uh, no. me out for dinner again, I'm definitely ordering corn, but only if he makes it. <laughs> <laughs> you will yeah. see him again this summer. You. Realize. I know. And he has he, a good he has a good sense of humor. I really hope when he beats you upside the head with a corn on the cob. Oh, that I would be him. funny! Oh, that would be so funny! After I woke up, mm-hmm. <laughs> showed you the footage. <laughs> it was corn the whole time. It was corn. Oh, I got a shout out to Filthy. He put a video on Facebook um, uh, tonight that I'm trying to watch right now, but I can't listen to the volume. Uh, is there's a stock in there and a bayonet and my 308. So I'm not, I'm really getting excited to see what this is all about. It says Merry Christmas, Trevor, from your friends in the Empire. Hmm. Sounds promising. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you, Phil. And cool. I have one to Stacy and she'll know why. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, our Patreon supporters, which, uh, which are many now, we have a new one. It's Patrick who uh, is a Patreone for 556. So that's cool. We like the calibers. And our current list of Patreones is... Can I do it all in one breath? Probably not. I don't Howard, think you have to do it all. Let's ha- just do the oh. new ones. All right. Well, Howard, you got your name in there anyway. <laughs> Howard and the rest of y'all. Howard and the rest of y'all. Cause, Thanks uh, for being Patreones. It's awesome that you're all Patreones. All right, so um, that's that's it. That's that's the show for this week. So we are happy that you joined us and wasted a couple of hours of your time listening to us ramble on. Please, uh, if you haven't yet, join one or more of our national firearms associations. Please check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. It's a really cool gun forum. You've heard us talk about it before. And also, please head over to Facebook if you are so inclined and hit that like button. We do post our shows on there, and every now and then we post up uh, just random gun-related things that the hosts find interesting. So if you are uh, if you like our Facebook page, you'll get some, uh, some interesting gun-related stuff from that too. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's it for the show. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Go see Star Wars this weekend. That's what I was going to (laughs) do. If not, you're a communist. Or a rebel. Rebel scum. Dun, dun, da, dun, dun, da, dun, dun, da, dun. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. <laughs> that was lame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that again. Hey, hey you. What?
what's going on? Yeah, that's that awkward. You know, you see like, the guy in the street, you recognize him, you can't remember his name. I don't hey, know who you are. Hey, you, you, there you, you there. Haven't seen you in a while. Do I know you? No, but there you are. There You're you there. are. And there I go. <laughs> Goodbye. 